Welcome to Hydrant Church. My name is Tim. I'm the lead pastor here, and we're really honored to worship with you this morning. You know, Hydrant Church has always been about connecting and filling and overflowing, and we've continued to do that during this unusual time and strange season. And we'd love to be able to connect with you. And probably the easiest first step that you can take is just to text in with us and and be able to connect. So just text the word connect to 919-888-4401. And that'll help us to, to begin to reach out and let you know about what's going on in the life of Hydrant Church, let you know when uh, virtual life groups are happening, when services are happening, opportunities for your kids or teens to connect. We'd just love to be able to connect with you even in this strange time. So if that's something you're interested in, then just text the word CONNECT to 919-888-4401. Now, as our staff and elders began to think about these services, we decided that the best thing that we could do is to continue down the path of talking about an unhurried soul. A few weeks ago, we began this series of messages where we explored the life of Jesus and the invitation of Jesus. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. It is light. It is easy. Now, to be honest, there wasn't a lot about my Christian life for a long time that I would describe as light or easy. Overrun, busy, burdened, obligation, anxiety, all of those words describe my faith. Even guilt and shame and disappointment. Feeling like I never really measured up. And then I hear these words of Jesus, and I think either he's pulling a bait and switch or I'm missing something. What I realized, and you probably realized too, is that I was missing something. There was something in the life of Jesus, in his way of life, that when it connects to the truth of Jesus, would give us the life of Jesus. And that thing that I was missing was an unhurried soul. Jesus was never in a hurry. He never rushed, but I was rushing everywhere and was always in a hurry. I was begging for more hours in the day when the truth is I would have just filled those up too. Now it feels like in the midst of all of the changes and restrictions that I've been given more hours and the temptation is to just fill those up with more to do. Instead of allowing this gift that God is giving me to to slow me down. He's been giving all of us a gift, an opportunity to slow down, to unhurry our souls, to notice what we're feeling and what we're thinking, to pay attention to our neighbors, to the people in our homes. Now we can stare at screens and we can distract ourselves and we can fill up every last moment with something to do, or we can learn to unhurry our souls, to slow down, to discover the, the way of Jesus that connects to the life of Jesus. He never demanded, commanded, or even instructed the type of things that we're talking about. Silence, solitude, Sabbath, simplicity. He just modeled them and said, come follow me. So this morning, in just a few minutes, Dustin Bannister, one of our elders, is going to share a message that God has been burdening him with challenging us 
to discover Sabbath, to discover stopping in the midst of this season as a gift from God that's good for us, good for our relationships, and good for our families. Before we do that, I'd like to pray. At Hydrant, we kind of we have this habit of, of slowing down, of pausing to encounter God, and, and, and taking a few extra minutes to pray. And so maybe you would be willing to do this with me. We have a, a thing that we do once in a while, and it really began years and years ago. It wasn't original to us. But we, we begin praying with our palms facing down as a way of letting things go. And when we're ready to receive what God would have for us, we turn our palms over so that we can just have this physical act of prayer to receive what God would give. So I'm going to pray, and I invite you just to, to talk to God in your own heart and your own mind as I do. Father of us all, it's us, your kids, we're grateful. We're a little anxious, and right now we want to begin to let those things go. We know we have fears that creep up, and we have uncertainty and things we don't know or understand. There, there, we don't know how long this stuff is going to last and not being in control makes us nervous. Really, in these recent days, our illusion of control has disappeared. And we've discovered just how little we really have. But God, as we let go of fear and as we let go of anxiety, as we even let go of questions and our need to control our busyness, God, we receive what you would give to us. And we ask that you would fill our hearts with your peace. You've promised that you give peace not as the world gives peace. God, we ask that you would fill our hearts with love. We learn to love because you first loved us. You gave your very self to know us. God, we receive your hope. Hope that the world as we see it now is not how it will always be. We have hope that as, the, as we come together in unprecedented ways across the globe, that there is something good coming. God, we trust you. We love you. God, we, we lift up those around us now. We lift up those who are sick, who are afraid and uncertain in their future, those who need the most extreme of medical care. God, we pray for those who are grieving one they've already lost. We pray for the, the medical professionals who are risking so much to serve others. Pray for families who are figuring out new rhythms and finances. We pray for leaders who are making tough decisions. We pray for men and women who are serving in dangerous places and, and those whose whose stay in those places has been extended. God, we trust you. We love you. We need you. We lean into this presence that is your love. May we sense that comfort overwhelm us as we take these moments to slow down in your presence. You are God. We're not so we trust you. We ask that your comfort would come and that you would fill us with faith 
and hope and love in the days to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Be encouraged by this message from Dustin. I can't wait to hear what he has to say. Four months ago, I, uh, I had something happen that stopped me. I was running in a Spartan race, and a couple minutes into it, I, I found myself injured. I injured my arm in, in a way that I've never injured myself before, and it took me uh, another several hours to finally get to the place where I had to come to the realization of something. Life as I knew it stopped. When I left that race that afternoon and I, I got home, I, I looked at my arm with what I later found out was a torn bicep, and and I realized something. I realized that for 595 days in a row, I had closed every ring on my Apple Watch. I had done 30 minutes of exercise, burned 500 calories, stood for 12 hours for almost two years in a row. And in one afternoon, that was going to end. I tell you this story, and I open with this, because for me, that was the first time in almost two years that I really practiced rest. See, for most of us, we get so busy and so caught up or, or we try to find ways to, to fill our time and we just don't rest. This morning or, or this night, whenever you're watching this message, you're, you're going to really kind of laugh and, and think to yourself that rest is not something that we ever get, but right now we're kind of in the midst of something that's forcing us to stop and pause and rest. Had you told me two weeks ago when I began writing this message that the entire world, our, our country, our communities, my house, would be put on a quarantine, would be stopped, would be paused, and be forced to rest, I'd have laughed at you. But here we are, now in the midst of, of a time that most of us have never lived through, realizing that just for a moment, we're forced to pause and rest. Today, we're going to look a little bit about what uh, rest means to us from Scripture. We're going to talk about what Jesus did, and, and then we're going to take a, a moment to realize why rest matters. But as we begin this, let's pause for a moment to allow the Spirit that has invited us into this moment to move into this place. Will you pray with me? God, the pause and the silence make us feel uncomfortable. They create the space for us to, to let our minds wander, our bodies still, and our hearts, Lord, to, to turn towards you. It's scary, God, to, to know what can happen in, in just a moment and realize that everything can change. So God, in this moment, take away the, the things that create fear. Show us that you have overcome and keep us in this moment. God, thank you for the pause that allows us to see your son, Jesus, who calls us to be people of rest. Amen. Long, long time ago in, in a land that that's different than the land that you and I live in, there was a people. This people lived in, in Egypt, and seven days out of a week, they, they found themselves working. 
from sunup to sundown. They were the, the labor, the slave force for a ruler. They never got a break. They, they never paused. And over and again, they found themselves working, working, working. In time, they, they cried out to their God and, and their God responded to them by, by sending one that would help create a way out. God sent a man named Moses who was born as an Israelite but, but raised within Egypt and he sent Moses to begin to tell the people they would leave. You might know this story. If, if not, while you're at home with your family, I, I encourage you go and, and watch movies like The Prince of Egypt. Take a pause and read the story in the beginning of Exodus. It's a miraculous story that's that's full of hope and ambition, full of plagues and ultimatums. And, and ultimately, it's about a people who were brought out of a land in which they worked, brought to the edge of a river that they cross on the other side of a sea where they meet a God who says these words to them. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. For I am the Lord your God and I rescued you out of this land. Work for six days, but on the seventh stop, pause, rest. Dedicate that time back to the Lord and keep it holy. For no one in your home should work every day of the week. For I brought you out of a land where you were servants. I brought you out of fear and bondage where you never had a chance to stop. And here I have you. And I ask for this one thing. Take time to rest. These people, when they they meet face to face with their God, are are shaken. They're scared. They, They find themselves in the midst of a voice, in the midst of a presence that is overwhelming them, but yet... That presence sustains them for the next four decades. Upon arrival and the completion of this journey and in a land that they once lived in, a land of their great, 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 many greats over grandfather's life, they find themselves yet again stopped by this God who says this to them. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. The Lord your God has commanded you to work for six days, but on the seventh do not. You nor anyone in your household nor anyone in your employment should do this, for on this day rest. Remember Egypt and the work that you did without a break. Remember that God brought you out of this and gave you this life. So on that seventh day, rest. As I said a minute ago, just a couple of weeks ago, if you had told me that the entire world that we live in would be turned upside down and that we would be forced back in, into our homes, into this forced isolation where we have to stop and come face to face with what we cannot do, I would have told you you were crazy. <laughs> but here we are. Here we are right now in our own homes with our families, with with those that are the most precious and dear to us, finding ourselves redoing schedules, finding ourselves doing without work, finding that truly we can actually survive if we take the time 
to stop. But stopping is not easy. For most of us, stopping is its not natural. It, it forces us to, to have to do something that, that should be so simple, but yet becomes a task in and of itself. We all know what it's like to be busy, but do we know what it's like to stop? Do we know what it's like to rest? Do we know what it's like to Sabbath? See, over the last couple of weeks, we've, we've been looking and, and working towards this, this idea that, that we are supposed to be different because Christ is different. We, we begin to look at things like solitude and, and silence. We touched on things like simplicity and being present. This week we begin to talk about what it means to stop in the midst of the busyness of our everyday lives. Stop in the middle of work, to, to stop in the middle of school, to stop in the middle of whatever it is that you're doing and rest. See, this morning or, or evening, we, we want to look at Sabbath a little bit closer. It's not going to be something that, that I look at with with so much depth that by the end of this you're, you're scratching your head, but it's going to be something practical because Jesus was practical. To do this, I, I want to look at three separate facets, three things for us today that I believe we can use to better understand Sabbath. First, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about what Sabbath is and what it's not. Then I want to look at the life of Jesus and, and see exactly how he approached Sabbath, how, how Jesus took time to rest. And then finally, I want to simply give to you the, the practicalities behind Sabbath, the reasons why it makes sense. As we start this morning, let's begin with what Sabbath is. And what it is not. Now I'd venture to say that most of you watching this are, are not Hebrew scholars. And you're in good luck because I am certainly not a scholar myself. But the word Sabbath is one of those common words that we've heard over and over again. And we've, we've probably have heard the word Shabbat or Shabbat. It's a word in, in Hebrew that simply means to, to stop or, or to rest and and that's the word that we oftentimes associate with Sabbath. Now, it's more than just a word to stop or to rest. It's actually a day, a day that we see first recorded in that Old Testament story when, when God is talking to those people, when he's talking to Israel. And what we hear is that Sabbath is to be a day of the week in which everything ceases. For people of Jewish faith, this was Friday from sundown to Saturday when the sun goes down. It was a 24-hour period of time in which they would give up working. They would give up cooking. They would give up everything that distracted, everything that could have been perceived as work. And they would simply be still and rest. The idea behind this was so that people could understand that they're not God. They're human. They are not machines that can run nonstop, but yet 
the creation that God made to be still so they might know. Sabbath is this amazing thing where people get to see what it is that God is doing if they'll simply be still and rest. Unfortunately, though, for most of us, this is a hard construct to understand. It's hard for us to be able to wrap our mind around what it would truly mean to stop. It's hard for us to see what it would be like if we simply had to be still. There's a scholar that, that writes about this, uh, a man by the name of Wayne Muller. And, and Muller is a lot of things. He's a, he's a coach. He's a consultant. He's a pastor and a community activist. But, but in his writing, what he says is this. He says, modern life has a relentless busyness to it. It causes us to lose the rhythm between action and rest. We reject the quiet that gives us wisdom in order to drink the poison that tells us we need more. But in Sabbath, we can reclaim the life that God intends for us. Because Sabbath is truly a gift from God. It's a gift of God in time. Time that we are allowed to take the cares and concerns of the marketplace and the world and allow them to fall away. Time that we set aside to delight in simply being alive. To savor the gifts of creation. And to give thanks for the blessings that we may have missed in our necessary preoccupation with work. Sabbath is a gift. For many of us, though, this idea of stopping and, and resting sounds more like a, a task. It sounds more like something that we, we have to do because somebody told us somewhere that you just have to do that. It's, it's one of the big ten that God talks about. It's this big notion that we, we try to push towards when we're people of faith. It, it's a task to be done, not a gift to be treasured. So I can imagine right now that if if you're sitting at home that 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 you realize there's four or five other things you could be doing. You may be doing four or five other things right now while you're watching this. You may be sitting there right now trying to multi or or beyond that task, trying to find other things to get done in the same time frame in which you're sitting down to watch this because we are busy. We are a people that if given the opportunity to do multiple things at once, we'll do it. We are a people who are told you can take a day off and we still find some way to fill up that day. <laughs> I can imagine most of you right now are thinking to yourselves, when this message is over, I have to do this and this and this. We're a people who look at rest as if it's a task, another chore to be completed. But that's not how God pictured it. See, I think if we're being honest right now that we realize that rest can do a lot of things for us, but rarely do we ever experience that. See, rest for us kind of goes against our our nature. And, and what I mean by that is that we're a people who have been taught how to produce. A couple of weeks ago when I was in the gym, I overheard a couple of friends talking. They were walking in with their gym mats and, and one of them turned to the other and, and said, I hope 
did I have a productive workout today? The other one kind of laughing said, I don't care if it's productive or not. I'm just here for a workout. And they kept on with their time. And, and it got me to really think on that one word, productive. See, for most of us, what we don't recognize is that we value ourselves based upon how much we could produce. More work, we think, equals more product. So to be productive, we have to work harder. We have to work longer. We have to put in more than that next person. We, we have to be people who produce more in order to be the most effective. But truthfully, when Christ calls us to be people of rest, it's not about being productive. See, sociologically, what we found is that we as a people are not better when we work harder. Psychologically, we're, we're not better when we overwork ourselves. Physiologically, we are not better when we're exhausted at our end to the point where we've burned ourselves out. But it's like we know those things, but don't practice them. It's as if we could say those things out loud and then turn right around and behave differently. See, when we begin to look at what Sabbath is and, and what Sabbath is not, what, what we find is that for most of us, it's just another thing. It's not the thing. It's just another thing. But that's not how it was for Jesus. So the second thing that we're going to talk about today is what Sabbath was to Jesus. And as we begin this topic, I'm, I'm reminded of, of what Tim said a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago when we were talking about what we were going to be stepping into, he, he said, you know, Jesus never explicitly comes out and says, this is what you should do on Sabbath. This is how you are to Sabbath. And he really never has to. Because Jesus has this uncanny way of, of not having to say anything at all but yet embodying it through his actions in a way that could never be confused. So we have to ask ourselves in this moment, how does Jesus Sabbath? <laughs> See, by the time the, the New Testament comes onto the scene, the, the practice of Sabbath is, has been established. It's a practice that people of faith know and, and they have their habits and, and their rituals, but it, it's kind of like flossing. <laughs> For those of you at home, maybe this is a, a bad metaphor because I'm, I'm sure most of you will go floss after this. But imagine with me for just a moment that, that you're like me and, and you really only floss when somebody brings it to your attention. You find yourself every once in a while running over to that drawer where the dental floss is and, and you pull it out. You know you need to do it, but you, you just haven't yet. So there you go. You flossed. <laughs> but then you have those other folks and, and you have those folks who, they floss all the time. They carry those little flossing tools and instruments around with them. They, they may even have dental floss in a bag with them. And they're always constantly flossing after every meal, after every opportunity. And, and they know exactly how to floss, how to get in the crevice, how to, how to get it right around your finger perfect. Those, those flossing folks are the ones they, they know their stuff. Well, that's kind of how Sabbath is in Jesus' day. So follow me for, for just a moment on this metaphor because 
For so many people, the notion of Sabbath in Jesus' day was a day of ritual and habit. It was not a day of rest. It was not a, a day of, of refreshment. It was this, this thing they did. It's a thing they did because it was part of who they were and, and they didn't do it with this excitement. They, they did it kind of begrudgingly. And in fact, they, they really began to make it more about the rules of what not to do than what one could do. So when Jesus enters on the scene in, in the New Testament, he begins to really kind of challenge against this. What, what we find is that more often than not, when Jesus finds himself on a Sabbath day, he ends up in an argument with another religious leader. He, he ends up in this place in which they are looking at his actions and his behaviors, and, and they're saying they're wrong. They're saying that what he is doing is, is not right. And so just for a moment, I want to explore the things that Jesus does on Sabbath that you and I can do also. And it begins with this. Jesus teaches us to be intentional and deliberate in the way that we pause. It should come as no surprise to you if you're looking through the New Testament that you find that Jesus over and again will will step away. He'll step away from people. He'll step away from an event. He'll step away from a teaching just so that he can have space and solitude. He steps away in in such a way that it's deliberate. In the midst of busyness, he seeks silence. In the midst of work, he goes for solitude. In the midst of the busyness of life, he recreates this pattern of rest. See, again, for most of us, what we find is that we wish we had more days in a week. Our patterns and our rhythms are are so skewed to work and and to kids, to school and to to neighborhoods and to obligations that we have here and there. And, And this idea that we can set things aside just doesn't work. But Jesus, when he models Sabbath behavior, he he's deliberate. He's intentional. He finds that time and and works it in there in such a way that it's not just another thing that's done, but it's part of everything that's done. Jesus sets time aside to Sabbath. But then Jesus does something else when it comes to Sabbath. See, Jesus gets in a lot of arguments about this with some of the religious leaders, but Jesus acts generously, lovingly on Sabbath. When he takes that time to to rest, he takes that time to do good. See, I've got to wonder, though, if for most of us, this notion of doing good as part of our Sabbath is hard because we are not rested. So let me ask you this. Have, Have you ever been approached by someone looking for you to do good for them and to them when you weren't rested? Here's an example. I love to eat out with my family. One of the places that we love the most is La Paz. 
Now, La Paz is notorious for having Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts sitting outside of it selling cookies, popcorn, peanuts, whatever the season is. And, and they always hit you as soon as you get out. And, and the problem with that is that most of the time, whenever I'm leaving La Paz, I've got Declan, my three-year-old, who's running out the door as hard as he can go, or I'm holding Finnick, my infant, who's sitting there trying to gnaw my face off or pull my hat or my glasses off. And, and I'm busy. I'm tired. I'm mentally and physically exhausted and in such a way that I don't want to even associate with someone asking me to do good. Maybe you understand what that means when somebody asks you to, to do good and the opportunity is right there in front of you and yet you failed to rest enough to see it. See, Jesus notoriously on the Sabbath does things like heals people. Brings them back into community. Feeds folks. He does these things in an intentional way to show that even though it is about rest, with rest comes generosity. The third thing that Jesus does on Sabbath is worship. Whether it be at the temple or in a synagogue, Jesus takes time for worship. He recognizes the need to assemble with the people of God, to pray together, to sing together, to read together, to worship together, to study together, to be together. Now, I know right now it's a hard season to do this. Right now we're, we're having to experiment with new ways to worship, new ways to be community, New ways to assemble and and to be what God has called us to be, the, the body of Christ, the hands and feet to all of creation. I know it's not easy, but yet somehow in this pause, we have become people who can worship. Jesus does it over and again. We find him in the midst of others who are surrounded by the grace of God and and they want to do good. They, They want to be people of blessing. They want to be people of study, people of praise and worship. So as we look at the behaviors of Jesus, what what we find is that Sabbath for Jesus is this place where he can truly say he comes together with others to be more than he could be on his own. And that leads us to our final point of Sabbath. Sabbath is actually good for our health. Now, I know I've, I've been a little bit already on, on this kick about why we, we struggle. I talked about how it's hard for us to rest when we're mentally and, and physically and emotionally just exhausted and and yet still have so much work to do. But a lot of time and effort has actually gone into studying Sabbath. And so what I want to do is just kind of tell you some of those practical things. See, scholars from all different walks, from psychology and sociology to, to biblical scholars to, to folks who are in the medical profession, they've all studied this idea of taking time to rest, to pause, to Sabbath. 
what they've come away with is, is several benefits that Sabbath actually has for us. And so just for a couple of moments, I'd like you to consider some of these benefits that Sabbath may have. First, Sabbath provides for us psychological and mental wellness. Imagine with me for just a moment the anxiety that's created by busyness. Knowing that when you get done with this, you have X, Y, and Z to do. Knowing that if we were here in this building, as soon as you got done, you would have to feed your kids. Those of you that had life group tonight, you would be getting ready to come back to life group, probably going somewhere to buy something and to cook it. You would know that as soon as life group was over, that you would have to go home, get the kids in bed so that you could then get in bed so that you could then get back up and begin your week anew. Busyness is not good for our mental health. But Sabbath creates that pause that allows us the chance to clear one's mind to focus on what's important. The second thing that scholars have found is that Sabbath is actually good for our social health. With work priorities everywhere, we have become people who know how to prioritize ourselves and our families over others. But the problem is, is that that does away with the greater intimacy that we could have if we came together as a group, as a family, and pause the Sabbath. Imagine with me for a moment one's social health when they're running from place to place to place. There's no depth. There's no width. We're simply moving about, trying our hardest to get things done without ever realizing that we are called to be the body of Christ, connected with one another, connected with those who have become friends and friends who have become family. And and when we engage in Sabbath, we find that our world is bigger than it was before. The third thing that Sabbath does for us is it actually improves our physical health. According to uh, a couple of studies that I read, folks who actually practice Sabbath at least twice a month sleep better. Their, their levels are actually a little bit better. They're actually physically a little bit better. Now, there is one thing that they did connect to this that I've got to say is they did say that Sabbath does tend to be a time that we overeat. We'll forgive you for that because if you were here, you would get a cookie on your way out, but Physically, Sabbath gives us a chance to stop and to pause. It makes us healthier people. The fourth thing that Sabbath can do for us is that it creates a place for us to see the cultural and spiritual health around us and to see that improved. Imagine how many strategies that we engage in that fail because we're busy. Imagine how often we say, if I just had a little bit more time, I could have done this. <laughs> Imagine with me what it means to slow down, to be able to enjoy a decision, to be able to actually feel like you made a choice in that decision. When we practice Sabbath, 
we practice the slowing down so that we might be people who are not robbed from the ability to evaluate. We are not robbed from the critical thinking that God has given to us. We are not robbed from what could be. The fifth and last thing. Sabbath keeping has been found to be linked to better environmental health. Now, I don't want to start a a long conversation on our environmental issues. But what I will say is this. We've been called to be a people who take care of the environment, who take care of the world in which we live. Scripture calls us stewards of God's creation. How often do we forego this in the busyness of our every day? Sabbath allows us to connect with nature. It allows the land to heal. It helps us to save finite resources. And it helps us to realize a pace of life that's manageable. And these are the only findings that that scholars have come up. They've, they've seen how Sabbath can deepen connections around us. It lowers life chaos scores. Believe it or not, Sabbath actually lessens the demands on your life. Sabbath is a time in which you can say no, and that's okay. See, I love the way that, that one author puts it. He said that Sabbath is Christ's way for his followers to display a public display of non-anxious behavior. Let me say that one more time. Sabbath is a way for Christ's followers to put on a public display a non-anxious pattern of behavior. Sometimes, friends, we just need to be reminded That we're human. We're not God. And that's okay. So this morning, this this evening, today, as as we begin to draw to a close what what we are talking about, we we recognize that it sounds a whole lot like an all or nothing thing. Maybe for some of us living in this uh isolated state, it, it is an all or nothing thing right now. But but what changes when this is over? What's different when that happens? See, years and years ago, I, I, I thought to myself, I, I, I want to practice certain things, but I don't know that I can do it all. And I had to come to this realization that sometimes it takes practicing a small part of something before you can practice the whole thing. So here's what I want to challenge you with today. When, when you're able, and by able, I mean when, when we move beyond what is going on right now in our world. Begin to practice Sabbath. Just two hours at first. Find a day, whether it be Sunday, Monday. Whether it be Friday, Saturday. Find a day and on that day for two hours, put down your phone. Put down work. Spend time with those that you care the most about with no other concern for it. Just two hours. And then go two weeks like that and on the third week, move to four. A month later, move to six. 
two months later, move to half a day until you finally get to this place where Sabbath is not something that's overwhelming, but it's something that's life-giving. When you finally can step back and recognize that, that Sabbath is not just a task, but it's a gift. I want to pray with you as we close this and, and kind of give you this charge. Pray that, that whatever might be going on right now in, in your world and in the worlds around you, that, that you would find the place to be that non-anxious presence. To truly be that non-anxious presence in, in the world around us because that is what we have been called to be. I want to pray that, that wherever you're at, whether you're at home, whether you're, you're with another loved one, that, that you're safe. That you feel loved. And that you're connected. Our hope is that through slowing down, we find more deliberate ways to connect. And we love you. Let's pray. God, it's a strange thing to, to find ourselves being told we have to take time off, not by a church, not even by our faith system, but by the countries in which we live. It's a strange thing to, to recognize that Isolation is forced upon us, and it doesn't feel right. For some of us, this may be exactly what we needed, a chance to really sit and take stock of what we need and what we don't. For others of us right now, we are so ready to get back to life as we knew it that we simply can't wait. So God, wherever we are, we... We pray that you would meet us. Meet us with rest. Meet us with this place in which we can become that non-anxious presence. Meet us in the moment where you teach us that we are human. And that's okay. God, thank you for this moment. Thank you for the time that we are able to spend together. For it's in the name of your Son, Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, thank you again for joining us at Hydrant Church this morning. It really was a privilege. I want to let you know about a couple of things as we go. The first is just a reminder that you can text in the word CONNECT to 919-888-4401. And that's going to be the quickest way to know what's happening here at Hydrant Church over the coming weeks. We look forward to connecting with you in that way. If you've been encouraged by this message, if you have been blessed by the time of worship, if you are able, if you're a part of Hydrant Church, then we encourage you to go online and give. You can either download our app at any app store or go to hydrantchurch.org slash give and you can Continue to support the ministry of Hydrant Church and, and what we're doing to help others connect to Jesus, connect to each other, be filled by grace and truth, and overflow in the world around us. We look forward to worshiping with you again soon, 
And we are praying for you. We love you and we believe in you. We'll see you again soon.